Welcome to the DadWork Podcast. My name is Kurt Storing, your host and the founder of DadWork. We are going to be talking to my guest, Tim Corcoran, today on this episode called Finding Purpose and Bonding Deeply with Your Children Through Nature. We go deep today talking about the definition of purpose and how it embodies itself in our lives as a human, embracing our mistakes while being steadfast in our commitment to our parenthood journey, why we need to connect deeply with nature and how it plays a role in our journey to finding our purpose, Fostering a relationship with our children by accepting responsibility as mature adults to encourage long-lasting interests and passion in our children. Our emotional maturity as dads, as well as our ability to accept and express our feelings in healthy ways. And how developing spiritual relationship is equally significant and different from an emotional connection to our purpose. Tim Corcoran is the founder of Purpose Mountain, where he offers nature-based purpose guidance to support people with a love for wild nature who feel a deep yearning to discover their purpose. Tim also serves as co-director of Twin Eagles Wilderness School, an organization he co-founded with his wife, Janine Tidwell, in Sandpoint, Idaho in 2005, dedicated to facilitating deep nature connection, mentoring, cultural restoration, and inner tracking. A leader of Vision Quest's Holistic Rites of Passage and men's groups, Tim has been facilitating spiritual initiations in the wilderness since 1999, healing the cultural rift between the mainstream and indigenous cultures, transformational consciousness work, the spiritual journey, ancestral work, deep nature connection, family, and health are all deep commitments in his life. Tim is a heart-centered father of two brilliant sons and a husband to a magnificent wife and lives in pristine Sandpoint, Idaho. You can find Tim online at PurposeMountain.com or TwinEagles.com. Org. You can find those notes as well and those links in the show notes at dad.work slash podcast. And before we get into this one today, guys, can I ask for three seconds of your help? Just whatever podcast app you're listening to this, can you just scroll down, leave us a rating and review? It is literally the fastest and easiest way you can help support the show. Uh, we don't do ads on this show, nor will we do ads on this show. And that is just because it's not a great experience. And I have no reason or will to do that. So in place of that, I would really ask for just a moment of your time rather than listening to 15 minutes of ads or 30 seconds of ads. Can you just take those seconds and leave a rating and review if this has been helpful for you in your life as a man, husband, and father? It helps this message and this podcast get in the ears of more dads who need it. And from the reviews we've been getting already from the emails I get from the dads, this is actually changing men's lives. So I'd very much appreciate it if you help me along that journey, change more fathers' lives and the family of those fathers' lives by leaving a quick review on Apple or Spotify. Finally, a quick reminder, if you're not already following me on Instagram, head on over to dadwork.curt on Instagram, D-A-D-W-O-R-K.C-U-R-T. That is where I am most active and would love to see you there in the DMs and the comments or just as a follower. That's it for now. We're going to jump into this episode with my guest, Tim Corcoran. Okay, dads, I'm very excited to have another episode of the Dad Work Podcast starting right now. We have got Tim Corcoran, making sure that I said that right this time, Tim. Uh, is that accurate? You got it. Beautiful. Okay. Well, Tim, uh, I'm excited to have you today. You run Purpose Mountain. And I just want to give a quick overview from what I took from your website. It looks like you lead people through spiritual journeys in nature. You have been doing this for decades now uh-huh. to help people discover their authentic purpose in, purpose in life, including deep spiritual fulfillment and a financially rewarding career. Like this, this to me just sounds like, yes, please. I would like <laughs> right. this. Uh, where do I sign up? And right, so I want right. to talk to you today about all of that purpose and nature. And you're also a father of two boys, both of them almost teenagers um, from uh-huh. what, I, what you were just talking about. Yeah. So we'll go there too. Uh, but I think maybe I'm interested in hearing what your thought about purpose is, because I talk to a lot of guys 
who are like, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't even know where to look. Like, I'm just so disconnected. I got so many jobs as a dad and a husband and an employee and all of this. Like, I don't even know if I need that. Like, it's just, it's too, I don't know what it is. So how, maybe let's define purpose to begin with Mm. um, and then go into like, how do we actually start looking for it? And especially if we're not local to you, to have a guide to bring us through this. Sure. Well, great, great place to start. And just I want to start by saying thank you. Really appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation with you, Kurt. Yeah, of course. Uh, Yeah. And the other thing to note is I also have another organization I also run along with my wife. We run Twin Eagles Wilderness School here in Sandpoint, Idaho, where we live. And we've been doing that for quite a while, since 2005. So... 17 years now. And, and the work there is, is really entirely focused on connecting people to nature. Um, and so we do youth and adult programs there. And, um, but that's relevant to your question about purpose, because how I define purpose, Kurt, is, well, first off, I, I would say that at the, at the deepest level, purpose is actually something that we cannot define. So it, it's, it's a bit of a paradox. If there was a place in in us that knew our purpose, um, it would be our soul, right? And I mean, in a simple way, we could define purpose as one's reason for being or anything's reason for being. Um, But when it comes to us as humans, uh, other ways to speak about this are our calling, our vision, what brings us fully alive, the way in which we express our essence, that way of being and doing, and that's an important distinction, I think purpose encompasses both being and doing, that when fulfilled, at the end of our life, on our deathbed, we can rest easy knowing I accomplished in this life what I came here for. Um, that would be my short definition, <laughs> uh, taking a stab at, at what is probably impossible to completely define. Fair. But I think an, a really important distinction to make there is being versus doing. Most guys in the modern experience will automatically associate purpose with some sort of action, with some sort of outward action, some doing state. Some What do I have to do? Uh, I certainly did for <laughs> the vast majority, especially of my younger years as a young man. And what I've come to find is that while, yes, the actions we take can be purposeful and and there's some that are not, and that's important, what comes first is the being state. Or in other words, who do I have to be in order to embody my purpose? Now, I know that probably sounds a bit nebulous and maybe mystical, but experience has shown that when, when we lean into that question, who do I have to be? How do I have to be? What is yearning to, what is my deepest essence yearning to express in terms of my way of being? That when we lean into that question, um, the answers that we're really seeking tend to become clear. That was really good, by the way. (laughs) I was going, okay, one of these, sometimes I ask, you know, to define these questions. And it's like, oh, like we work with them all the time. And it's almost too close to define well. And I really got that. And I really appreciate that. And what you said about being versus doing, I've talked, um, 
I've heard, I think, Dan Doty talk about this as well. I've oh, Dan. Sure. Dan's a good friend, actually, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I wondered about that because I saw Every Man yeah. on Your Site, and I wondered oh, about yeah. that. That's that's amazing. I, I figured you guys probably had crossed. Uh, it sounds like you guys do some similar work, which is amazing. I love yeah. uh, Dan. He was on, I think, episode eight. But the B versus do, uh, in men's groups sometimes, we talk about, you know, what, sometimes there's an accountability aspect. What are you going to do this quarter? What sure. are you going to accomplish sure. this year? What are you going to accomplish 10 years from now? And sometimes I go in and I try to break it down and I flip it on its head from what guys typically go to, which is, here's what I want to have. Here's kind of what I want to do. And then like, usually not, here's who I want to be. So I like to focus instead on who do you want to be and then what do you want to do? And then, okay, maybe what do you want to have? I don't even care about that at this point. And that is super interesting. And how did you come to that understanding in your life and how do men get there because in my head i'm going like this is it like i'm so fired up about this stuff it's vitality it's life it, is. it, it really and is and nobody's doing it so like what's the problem here well that well and notice the language even nobody's doing it <laughs> nobody is doing it but some people are being it you know uh-huh, yeah. and i'm just kind of razzing you there but yeah um how did i come to find this well the hard way i can tell you that <laughs> Uh, the other thing I actually want to back up and say about purpose is, because uh, I work a lot with nature, I've been professionally dedicated to connecting humans to the natural world, you know, I mean, all of my adult life. I'm 47. I've been doing this, yeah, for 25 plus years. And I would say that another way to define purpose, Kurt, is purpose is when we are embodying our most natural way of being. Like, it's not about changing something. If, if anything, it's about shedding so that we can just surrender or allow our most natural way of being to emerge. Um, you know, it, it's almost cliche, but there's a little saying we use that, that I like to use. When one immerses in nature, one's nature is, uh, becomes apparent, right? When, when you spend time in nature, you get clear on your nature. And I would say that's another way of defining purpose, one's nature. Uh, gosh, how did I, you know, come to embody all of this? And by the way, I don't do this perfectly, in case anyone out there is wondering. I make mistakes all the time. No. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Uh, but I am committed to the, the journey, and I'm certainly committed to fatherhood and, and purpose in my own life. Um. Well, how, how, how deep of a dive do you want here? I could go all the way back to like growing up and give you the whole journey or, you know, what? Uh, I would love to do that. I would, yeah. that's the most important thing for me is getting real visions of men who have done this work before, who are also able to touch the sort of meta over, um, overarching understanding of it so that we can have both the actionable anecdote and the principle and bring those together. So that's what I like best. I think that's most helpful for the guys listening. So let's start there and then we'll just sort of break it apart afterwards. Okay, sure. Um, <clears throat> so I think the short of it is that, um, like many guys raised in this Western world, um, I had an unconscious bias towards action uh, and towards doing for most of my life. And it was really only, you know, they say that we teach what we learn. So I teach how to connect with your purpose, uh, how to connect with the natural world. And it was really only through years. I mean, in my case, decades, two decades plus of consciously going after my calling, my purpose in life, my vision, 
through my connection to the natural world um, that and and in the early years really thinking like and having the mindset of oh there's there's another action I need to take I, I need to get married I need to start a wilderness school I need to become a coach I need to facilitate group process I need to lead a men's group uh, I need to be the best dad I can be there was a hint in that one I need to be the best dad I can be you know it was really through through trial and error and 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 a lot of suffering of being overly focused on the on the doing Kurt that slowly you know I began to realize through feedback from others from brothers from my wife from my own sons um from my own experience in life that um and from the natural world you know that in my deepest moments of connection there actually was no doing you know as i look back on moments with my dad some of my best moments weren't when we were doing anything outlandish it was like sitting with him watching the rain or in a canoe you know um my best moments with my wife are like in the absence of doing when there's that deep felt connection that actually feels nourishing on a on a deep heart level on a soul level um the same for my moments with my sons. You know, oftentimes these happen in nature. And so there's a hint there. Um, same for myself. My, my deepest moments of connection with myself are when I was in the absence of, of doing. And thankfully, I've had mentors and teachers through the years that have helped point me in that direction. Um, so that would be the short answer to how, how I came to it. There's certainly a much lar- larger answer in there for you, but uh, that we can get to. Yeah. That, that's so interesting, uh, Tim, because my experience in slowing down and sort of being <clears throat> is quite new within the last sort of 18 months. And I, I thought it was within the last three years. And I was, I was kidding myself, to be honest, mm-hmm. when I finally sat with it, and that's how it came up for me. Uh, everything changed. I felt like I integrated everything that I had been running from. And I don't know if that's how it felt to you, but I, I went oh, yeah. through uh, a failure of action. I had never let myself fail before. And here this thing comes up and I failed at it. And in that failure, I could do nothing but sit with it. And interestingly enough, I sat in nature quite a lot. And it was in those moments of stillness and silence that all of the to-do list mindfulness stuff, I got to meditate so I can exercise, so I can journal, so I can do this, so I can do that. It's like, oh, I'm getting 10 out of 10 on the doing aspect and zero out of 10 on the being. Right, right. And so I swapped that and it was like, oh my uh, goodness. Then you just feel and you just get to sense and you get into the flow of the earth, really. And I've, I've always wondered how can I help guys get there without having to hit them with that proverbial Mack truck, which is like, oh, hey, right. you're at the bottom of your life. You're, uh, you know, you're at the bottom of the pit. Time to wake up. I guess you do this in a sense, but what tips oh, yeah. can you give without, you know, giving the the whole, you know, kitchen sink away? How can we encourage guys who are like, go, go, go? You know, they got a, a neutral and a fifth gear. How do we encourage them to slow down and really do what we're talking about here? Yeah. Well, again, I think it starts with um, being clear about what does it mean to be the best dad possible, right? Because for the fathers out there listening, I would really ask you guys to consider, like, when were your best moments with your father, your own father? What were you really seeking? 
what what were you really yearning for? Maybe it's your story is, oh, I, this is what I didn't get and I learned from my dad how not to be a father or, which is really common, of course, these days, or maybe not. Maybe it was, well, well I had some moments, you know, and I would bet that like myself, you know, because, um, yeah, one of my moments I always remember with my dad was <laughs> probably eight years old, grew up, grew up in the Midwest, South Bend, Indiana, and the rains would come, the big Midwest rains, you know, springtime, maybe. And uh, he would sit, remember those old aluminum lawn chairs with the, the plastic woven, uh, you know, seat and back on it. And uh, he would grab one of those and he would sit. He was a smoker, so he would, he'd be smoking his, his camels. And he would sit just under the edge of the garage door. And then, boy, the rains would just come down. And he was silent. You know, he was just, it was like he was in his deepest meditation. He was connecting with his deep sense of self and his own personal nature as he was connecting with the, the nature of, of the rain. And I would just sit there with him, Kurt. And I would, I, in those moments, like I was, I've always been a sensitive guy, right? I could just feel his presence. And it was like the best possible hug I could ever get on the deepest level. And not a word was spoken, um, but he was present with me as he was being present with himself, as he was being present with the natural world. And that just filled me up, man. And that just filled me up. And, and yeah, we had that moment canoeing and we had that moment at other times. Um, but as I imagine the guys listening and I know how it is, my God, I've got the most ridiculous to-do list in the world. You know, so I would I would offer... The idea that the best gift we can give our sons is our depth of presence. You know, the, the deepest expression of who we are as, as men, as fathers. Um, that's the one thing that nobody else can give our, our sons is us. You know, so, so it begs the question, well, what does that mean? Like, and I know that, again, it's maybe mystical or nebulous, but who am I? You know, like, what, what does it mean for me to give me to my son? Well, it's more than just you know, checking off boxes on the to-do list and cracking the whip. You know, it's a deep felt sense of presence. And that implies that you have received that yourself first. Because I don't think it's possible for a human being to give something to someone else that they haven't first experienced or received. You know, and that's much of the work I do is helping people connect deeply to their own sense of presence that in a lot of cases, you know, uh, certainly was the case for me. People just don't experience that. Our modern world is not good at connecting people to nature and connecting people to their deepest sense of self. Um, it's just not. And so, um, you know, how to go about doing that? Well, that's a big journey and we can talk more details later. But if we're holding that, yes, you can connect deeply to yourself, then um you know, it's, it's like rather than adding something, maybe it's about taking something away. Maybe it's about creating a space where your daughter or your son can just come to you and feel like a deep sense, a heart sense of coming home, of feeling held. Maybe that means kind of like yourself, um, you know, and you were kind of speaking towards Kurt, and I know I've gone through this and many others that because it's it's like this to use the nature connection metaphor when we connect deeply with nature what's going on well on a sensory level we're sensitizing ourselves to the natural world and we're learning to pay greater attention and give more awareness to things so a simple bird call that maybe last week walking through the park i didn't even notice my mind didn't even register 
now my mind is registering it. And I'm noticing and I'm looking and I'm seeing, oh my gosh, I can see a flash of wings. And who is that bird? Maybe, you know, I come back and find it in a field guide or something. So as we connect with nature, it's about deepening our sensory awareness of the outside world. And what happens is, as a natural and organic response, is as we sensitize our outer senses to the world around us, we can't help but sensitize our inner senses to our inner landscape, our inner nature, if you will. So what that means, of course, living in the modern experience and all the trauma and the craziness of modernity, there's a lot of tough stuff we've got to face. You know, when I first started the journey, it was like, holy crap, there's so much I'm not at peace with in myself. Thus beginning the long journey of, you know, inner healing and, and, and so on and so forth. But what you'll find is that over time, you have these little moments of deep connection when it's like, wow, there's a deeper me that's underneath all of that. All the busyness, all the layers of trauma, all the unhealed wounds, all of that. And in moments, we can connect with that. And it's from that place. I'm a big, big believer that one of the best things we can do to help our kids is to work on ourselves, you know, on an emotional and on a spiritual level, even soulful level. And so in those moments of connecting with that, it's like our batteries are refueled. And we can bring that loving sense of connection. I mean, it, it, we just—it it, it just emanates. We kind of glow with it, and our kids feel it. Kids, especially young kids, like young six and younger, dogs and cats, animals are really sensitive to this as well. You'll notice that little kids and animals totally attracted to people who are who are connected in this way, and uh, and then it's a matter of, of bringing those moments to our kids, you know. And maybe it's just unconscious at first; they're just receiving it. Over time, we can make those, uh, we can create st- even structure around that and facilitate those moments for our, us and our kids, or there's, there, there's lots of different ways to do that. Um, but yeah, those are a few thoughts on, on your question there. Man, I, I just want to like put this on loop for the next, you know, um, you know, 40 <laughs> minutes or whatever, because that, that to me just went like, oh, duh, you know, like just go outside and notice and I guess the question that's coming up is, is it really that simple to start with, at least? Yes, you, you, there are people like you who bring people around and, and do these journeys. But if I just start going out in nature with my kids without my phone, intentionally, which means to say, I might have to schedule it in my calendar with the way I do things. I might have to schedule being time in my calendar, perhaps. Um, is that a good place to start? That's or a great are there place other to ways? Start. Yeah, no, it's a great place to start, especially when your kids are younger. You know, for the, you were saying your oldest is nine. Is that right, Kurt? That's right. Yeah. Once you kind of get into the preteen years and definitely when you get in the teen years, it's a different, it's a different thing. It's a different beast, you know, but boy, oh boy, when your kids are little, for goodness sake, just get them outside. Yeah. Turn those phones off and, and connect, you know, one of the great, you know, these days we hear a lot about how, um, different generations um, feel disconnected from one another. One of the great gifts that connecting with nature has to offer us as fathers is it provides a shared story that we can experience with our kids. You know, you look at, I mean, I'm 47. I grew up in the 80s. The world back then was so different. We had like three shows on the TV and there was only like one or two good, three channels on the TV. There was only one or two good shows a week, you know. And beyond that, we were always outside running around, you know, and 
the whole thing. And and these days, it's it's not so. You know, I mean, are you kidding? Not only do we have ten thousand channels, but then ten thousand notifications on the phone every ten seconds. Yeah, it's just not so. So we got to learn to slow down. You know, and I'm sure if and I've I've also got a men's group. I've been doing men's work for since 2010, so I don't know a dozen years or so, and love my men's group here in Sandpoint. Um, two of the of the guys of which Owen Marcus and who founded it, and then Dan Doty, who we were speaking about, they they founded Every Man, which is an amazing national uh, men's organization that I also uh, run programs for. So, <clears throat> but back to the my my point there. When we slow down, it, you know, we got to realize that we're, we're operating at like a hundred, and we need to bring it down to like a like a five. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that there's an adjustment period there, you know, there's an adjustment period. But when we do that and connect with nature, then we have a shared story that we can share with our kids. So, like, I look at my sons now, you know, my twelve year old who's still a boy, and my fifteen year old who's gone through a formal rite of passage, which we could talk about rites of passage. So I don't refer to him as a boy anymore because he's not. He he completed boyhood and he's now a young man. Um, they are passionate naturalists. And frankly, they have so much time on. They're also homeschooled. So they've got or more unschooled. They have so much time on their hand. Kurt, they're taking nature connection to this whole other level beyond beyond in some ways what I have. But it's a shared story point. So they can go off and have wild adventures, right, and come back. And they know I'm going to be able to receive it and that I care about the subject matter. Now, you know, compare that to Pokemon or Minecraft. It's like <laughs> yeah. if my kid's coming back with that, <laughs> I'm going to have a hard time connecting with them because I, I don't I'm not interested in that. And, and I think that's one of the tragedies of our times. So if we want to have a good connection with our kids, yes, it's about the being state, which we've spoken of some. But it's also about taking responsibilities as mature adults and and initiating passions, helping our kids initiate interests and passions and curiosities that can be lasting and that can be a shared story and that can be a context within which we can maintain connection. And I can't think of a better one than than nature. I, yeah, obviously could not have said it better, but could not even think to have said it better. That was so well said. And what you said uh, a few minutes ago specifically was, um, you know, the best thing we can do for our children as fathers is to become better men, basically. And that is the whole purpose of what I'm trying to do here is you become a better man and a better husband, or sorry, you become a better father and a better husband by first of all, becoming a better man and doing this and taking it seriously, which you're going to have to, because if you honestly look at your life for most men these days we are so clawed by the talons of social media and technology and all the rest of it that it will be hard and i just want to say straight up if you try and go outside and you're like 10 minutes in you're like i'm bored i'm not going to do this this is stupid like no that's wrong actually if you took it more seriously you'd probably see the fruits of the labor and i mean like i'm going camping literally an hour from now after we finish our call um, for the same sorts of reasons we've booked at least four days every month and hopefully more um, because of this exact reason I want to slow down I want to be outside I want the kids to have that and like my kids right now are my oldest especially like he just sits in the garage and whittles spears nice like, oh yeah I'm amazing Love it. like <laughs> this is so good I'm so proud 
that he does that. And, you know, there, this, you know, you said Pokemon, that, that has been a thing. And these days it's not so much because there's so much to do outside. There's so much to play. And if I can just use them as almost leaders in that sense, <laughs> as I, in this like modern world of, you know, whatever masculinity is these days, I feel like I lost some of that, that magic. And so I'm almost using them to introduce me to that. And, um, another thing I wonder if you agree on is one of the best ways to become a better, uh, parent is just to remove the four walls. You know, oh, it, it's so, yeah. it's so yes, much yes, easier, yes. right? Of course. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> Especially for us guys, you know, cause, cause yeah. we like to move. We like to move. I read a study that talked about, um, modern schooling and how girls on the whole, this is in America, tended to do better and boys struggled more. Because and and the study was more about the the males the human males tendency towards physical movement, and that we actually process emotions and our spiritual journey and souls through physical movement. Like I, I'm sitting here, you know, we're doing this podcast. I'm sitting and I'm in front of the camera. But when I do like all my work, I I do one on one mentoring and coaching. I always do it on the phone, and part of the reason for that, Kurt, is because I'm always moving. You know, and in school it was like, oh, sit down, Timmy, you know, you're, you're, you're too hyper or whatever. And it's like, no, maybe not. Maybe I'm processing in that way. And maybe so many others are. So, oh my gosh, yeah. Remove the four walls. Conflict resolution, peacemaking, diffusing anger. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's the number one. As soon as things take a turn for the, for the start going sour, as soon as I can even smell it, I'm like, outside, out, out we go, out we go. And it always goes better. Um, beautiful invariably yeah yeah i'm actually excited to continue to talk to you um i i would love to just continue a relationship by the way i don't know how you feel about that but i have so many questions um about unschooling and homeschooling and you know all this uh rites of passage and and nature-based everything um so i'm just going to throw that out there and we'll connect on that later hopefully but i would love now to talk about um the emotional maturity aspect because i think that probably relates a little bit to uh the rite of passage but i know that we or we talked a little bit before about you know what we're going to talk about this podcast and you mentioned cultivating masculine emotional maturity and i would assume that touches on a lot of what we've covered already but i want you to sort of take that because this is one of my absolute favorite topics i think when i think of the so-called toxic masculinity today it's simply the fact that it's not real masculinity it's It's immature boy psychology yep you know it's as they say in king warrior magician lover it's the boy psychology it's the immature version thereof so i wonder uh what you think of all this because it's very important to me yeah, so this is a big, big topic. Um, and of course, I'm very familiar with the modern men's movement. Uh, my dad gave me Iron John when I was, I don't know, 20 or something. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, I didn't get into it that deep back then, but uh, I got started in earnest, yeah, maybe a dozen years ago when I was about 35. So, how, well, let's go back to a definition then. How would I define um, emotional maturity in general is... The ability to be aware of emotions, to accept our emotions, and to express our emotions in healthy ways. So awareness of, acceptance of, and expression of emotions in healthy ways. That would, that's kind of my simple um, explanation. I hold that most men raised in the modern experience did not grow up, up with this because our dads didn't get it. As such, 
And, and so, A, that's not our fault and it's not our dad's fault. I could tell you stories about feeling so lonely when I was 10 years old and waking up in the middle of the night and walking out and seeing my dad, you know, drinking his beers and smoking his cigarettes on the couch and lost behind the newspaper and feeling like he was a ghost, you know, not there. But even that, Kurt, you know, was it his fault? Was he raised with an emotionally mature father? No. And we could track that back and have the whole ancestral conversation of what happened because there was a time when men were connected with their hearts and knew how to express them powerfully. Um, But holding that off for a different conversation, um, it's the the very next thing I have to say is cultivating masculine emotional maturity. And so, you know, yeah, masculine emotional maturity is just the unique expression of emotional maturity that we have as men. Um, and cultivating that is not a process that happens alone, period. It is not a process that happens alone. It is something that needs to be shared and experienced in community. You know, and of course, enter the rise of popularity of men's groups. Um, when we can sit with other men as a man amongst men and learn to feel in our bodies, right? Like we're really good at... At, at the mind. <laughs> We're really good at academics and, and that kind of intelligence. But when it comes to feeling emotions in the body, allowing them to express fully, you know, the rage, the anger, the joy, the heights of joy, the, the depths of sadness, you know, the, the darkness of shame, um, you know, all of it. Uh, when we can learn to do that and surrender to that and stay connected and realize that, wow, not only is it okay, but I actually connect deeper with you when you open your heart to me. And when I take the risk of opening my heart to you, and yeah, I've got all those voices too that tell me, don't do this. He's going to hate you. They're, they're going to hate you. You know, mm-hmm. you'll never be accepted. Oh, we've all got those, you know, and when we can find the real courage, courage, cour, you know, French, the heart, take heart when we can find the courage to, to make that journey and express that in meaningful ways and realize, my God, not only, not only am I not exiled for it, I'm actually, I, my connection deepens with you in that process. Something big changes and we realize, oh my God, you know, I've lived this life of stuffing emotions and repressing it all and disowning it all and on and on. And, and yeah, typically, yeah, I'm sure you've seen this, guys have a lot of work at first, right? There can be years of work in some cases, of like uh, clearing the dam. Uh, Dan Doty and I like to, uh, maybe you've heard him talk about this. You know, it's like we have this giant beaver dam inside of us that has blocked up this huge lake of emotions over the last 40 some years. And at first, doing this work is like, you know, we get a little stick of dynamite or some M80s or something. And, and oh my God, a little water came through. And you're like, holy, I have water. There's water. And then we realize, oh shit, you know, a, <laughs> excuse my French, there's a lot of water back there. And so there's, there's that phase, you know, which, which takes some time and, and kind of catching up with ourselves. And then we find ourselves in a place eventually of, you know, wow, I've processed most of what I have to process. And... And when stuff comes up, I know how to express it. And I know how to show up in relationship. I know how to speak my feelings and reflect my feelings and deepen that connection with my kids, with my wife, with my, or my husband or my, my, my brothers and myself. And through that process, you know, I become a better man for it. I model for my kids. What does it mean? 
to express emotions in healthy ways. You don't think they've got emotions? Sure as heck they do. You don't think they're watching you as dad, wondering how does dad deal with it when he's angry? How does dad deal with it when he's sad? They're, they know, even if we were masters of repressing it, they know when we feel these things, at least subconsciously, you know, and sure as heck they're modeling after us. So, yeah, it's big work, man. I'm, I'm really passionate about it, but I, I won't end until I say that it's not the end-all be-all. And, and that's, that's an important distinction, I think, that I make. There's a lot of guys out there, a lot of men's coaches, a lot of men's groups. It's really, really important. But it is not the end-all be-all. Connecting with the sacred, connecting with vision, connecting with purpose, that's part of it. But there's another aspect that typically, in my experience, most men's groups, and I've got a freaking amazing men's group, um, oftentimes misses, frankly. And, and I think that's an important distinction to make. So we can talk more about that later, but yeah. Okay, well, uh, I can't not ask. What What okay. is the thing that we're missing? <laughs> well, <clears throat> um, and, and there's a distinction here, right? Like, and So I'll go back to our conversations around nature connection earlier. Nature connection is more than just gardening or camping or even extended camping or even extended regular camping or hikes. Um, there's a and again, I, I, what I would offer is that as humans, we've lost our inherent connection to nature. You know, we all have indigenous ancestors that once lived close to the earth, that had a vibrant spiritual life connected to the earth. And it was more than camping. You know, it was more than gardening. It was a way of being. It was a worldview. It was a, a spiritually rooted practice that and a shared story amongst over, you know, tens of thousands of generations is is going out for a hike. I'm not down on hiking and camping. I'm not trying to offer that, but I'm just trying to open up the conversation a little bit and point out that there's a lot more to that nature connection than meets the eye. And so just like with the masculine emotional maturity, how do we grow into that? Well, could a person figure it out by themselves? Yeah, I suppose they could, but boy, oh boy, it's a heck of a lot easier to find mentors and people who have made that journey themselves um, just like working with a coach or working with a group, like the journey is expedited and, and can save a person tons of suffering, you know. So there's all of that. And what we find um, at the heart of that journey of nature connection, Kurt, and at the heart of the journey of emotional maturity is that, um, well, the Irish have this proverb. I've got to contextualize this a little bit more. The Irish have this proverb that when they have the emotional experience of, of any given emotion. Let's just take sadness. They don't say, I'm sad. They'll say, sadness is on me. Or, or it translates more to like, I'm carrying sadness. But there's an important differentiation, which is not, not the words they're not using are like, I am. And so there's a little bit of a separation there from the deep sense of identity. Wow, I'm walking through my life and today sadness has arrived as a guest. It's kind of like Rumi's The Guest House. Maybe you know that one. Greet each each emotion as a treasured guest because they have, uh, you know, uh, gifts uh, unbeknownst to us. So when we see and can hold the, our emotional experience in that way, what we realize is that, well, I'm, I'm, my essence, my identity is deeper than, my essence is deeper than just this emotion or that emotion. It, it, you know, that's part of it, but there's something much deeper. 
and my ultimate nature, back to the nature connection conversation, I'm a part of all things. I'm as natural as any mountain or maple tree or moose. You know, just because I'm a modern human doesn't mean I'm not an expression of the natural world. I, I'm of, we are all of this earth. That matters, right? Like we evolved of this earth. We didn't get dropped off here from Mars. And even if we did, that would still be nature, you know? So we're of this earth. And in that place of interconnection with all things, like I'm a unique puzzle piece in the great puzzle of life, what we realize is that, and sorry, one little bit more piece of context. What I've seen through, you know, a dozen years of men's work is there's got, there are guys who have really gone as deep as deep can go with, with their emotional maturity journey and still feel that sense of lack of fulfillment, still feel that sense of lack of meaning. Because what's been missing is the deeper sense of spiritual purpose, right? That their way of being, while, you know, it's been smoothed over, they're a better dad for it, they're a better husband for it, they're a better community member for it, they haven't yet connected. And sometimes they do, you know, sometimes guys do, but it's, it's, I, I don't see that it's built into the, the modern men's work movement, right? Oftentimes people don't, guys don't connect with that deep sense of soulful purpose, that deep sense of meaning that goes beyond, you know, this conversation of emotional maturity. And, um, yeah, so like another way of speaking about it is like this. We, uh, a simple three worlds model. Imagine upper world, middle world, lower world. Middle world is the realm of the ego. It's the realm of realm of the mind. It's the realm of kind of every waking, everyday waking consciousness. Therapy, men's work, women's work, um, any emotionally emotional processes dwell in that arena. The journey is like, how do I become a better me, or how do I better my ego? And I don't hold that word in a bad way at all. Just ego meaning my personality, who I refer to when I say the word I. How do I give and receive love more freely? Okay. That's awesome. Then we've got the upper world, uh, realm of classical enlightenment, meditation, all is one, one is all. Okay. Um, don't associate with the, uh, too much with the trappings of the, of the physical world. We're all spiritual beings and we will transcend this. And that can, you know, um, give us real relief from worldly physical suffering. But there's another realm, the, the lower world, and this is the realm of soul. If the upper world is spirit, then the lower world is actually soul. And in the realm of soul, the essential question is, but why am I here? Whether I'm wounded or healed, whether I'm realizing my oneness or not, why did I take physical shape as a human being on planet Earth in this year, 2022? This world does matter. The earth does matter. Our physical lives do matter. And we're here for a reason. And when we can connect with that, and that's a different journey than the journey of emotional maturity, that's where that deep, uh, that deep meaning, that deep fulfillment comes from. So I'll pause there. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's uh, that's like a let's take a deep breath together sort of right, uh, depth, right, right. right? <laughs> um, that that almost sounds like the sort of Taoist idea of uh-huh. you know you're you're here yeah. for a reason. Your soul picks you now in this time in this place, um, and man, that's unusual for a lot of guys to think about. And I am in multiple. I, I'm run and am in men's groups, some of which talk about what you're talking about, some of which focus more on that middle ground of, you know, sorting out the emotions and the ego and stuff like that. And I, yeah, I'm just seeing now, I'm making maybe stories or judgments about, you know, men that I have seen stay there and never venture out. Yeah. And like, I know you said your men's group was amazing and maybe it's just by virtue of the like, you know, powerhouses, you and Dan and, um, uh, Owen was Owen. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Like maybe that's what creates it, but how have you seen this, um, really be brought to light in a men's group like this? Is it physical processes? Is it being in nature together? Is it like quests? How do we get there for the men who are like, Ooh, that sounds like, like I need it. Yeah. Well, I, I would offer that, you know, as as diverse, multifaceted human beings, we need more than one support group. You know, like I've got my men's group and and, and we do emotions really, really well. You know, um, I'm blessed to have relationships with some local Native American people and, and, and one family in particular. And and that's where I go for, for deep ceremony, you know. Uh, I've got a therapist. And when there's deep, really intense one-on-one work – she's the one who I call. Uh, my wife is lives a conscious life. She can support me in certain ways. I've got certain friends. Um, and, and is it possible for a men's group to, to do this? Sure, but it hasn't been so much the case for me, you know, in, in my group. We've done emotions and we've done them really well, but that's, you know, that's kind of where it stops. Uh, we go outside sometimes. Sometimes we'll, we've got a beautiful lake here. Sometimes we'll, we'll do group on a boat or sometimes we'll meet outside and that's great. But, um, the journey of connecting with purpose is, is really different. And I should let you know, I'm, I'm fresh off the heels of leading a wilderness vision quest down in Southern California, so where, where we just had uh, 10 folks and myself and my co-facilitator, um, which is a big, you know, 10-day event, the heart of which is, which is a, a four-day fast in the wilderness, solo fast in the wilderness, where people go out with the singular question, what is my purpose? What is my vision? Why did I take birth? Um, it's not to polish the ego. It's not to rehearse wounds for the umpteenth millionth time. It's not to experience all as one, one is all, like classical meditation. It's to get a real answer in, in the body, an embodied answer to the question, why did I take uh, take shape here on, take form here on this earth? And for me, you know, and of course I'm biased. This is the work I do, but I, you know, th- that's, that's, that's what I started. Did my first vision quest when I was twenty-four, I think, um, and it was yeah, it was it was at the heart of it. It was a four-day fast in the wilderness, held by a team of soulful mentors, um, with proper preparation and integration work. This is, you know, some people like to compare this to psychedelics and that whole thing. It's it's really a very different journey than that, um, as well. It's an important distinction. But it's one that requires – it is a mentored process for sure. It is something that requires significant preparation for in order for it to go well and significant processing, debriefing, integration, incorporation work in order to be received well. Um, 
that's the the best way. <laughs> if I could snap my fingers and you know, like, boy, oh boy, yeah, let's all do a big vision quest together. Although I, I like to keep them small, so there's a lot of personal connection. Um, yeah, yeah. That that's beautiful, and thank you for sharing that. And I'm glad that there are people like you doing this work because I, I need mentors and elders and things like that in my life as I go through personally this you know maturation of the middle ground and you know staying a lot in the high ground to sort of be you know very chill and all that kind of stuff going to the soulful place is like ooh that's fertile just for me that's fertile to to dive into so uh, please go on though if you've got yeah, more yeah. yeah well uh, there's I, I like working with poetry do you guys are you into poetry at all kurt um, I appreciate it, and I can't say I'm into it. Okay, that, that's cool. Um, I'll offer this little short poem. I prepared this for our, our podcast. I had a feeling we Thank might you. wind up in this conversation. So this is a poem by Rainier Maria Rilke. Rilke was a poet who lived 800 years ago. And this poem was actually translated by Robert Bly, who we mentioned. He's the author of Iron John, and many refer to him as the founder, right? The, the grandfather of the modern men's movement. Um. And so the poem goes like this. <clears throat> Sometimes a man stands up during supper and walks outdoors and keeps on walking because of a church that stands somewhere in the east. And his children say blessings on him as if he were dead. Another man who remains inside his own house stays there inside the dishes and the glasses so that his children have to go far out into the world toward that same church which he forgot. And so how I hold that poem is the church is representing purpose or vision or our deepest soulful path in this life and that if we're going to be the best dad we can be then we have to be fully alive and if we're going to be fully alive we have to be connected to that golden thread of something really meaningful that that gets us out of bed in the in the morning for most guys i'm going to say beyond being a husband and a father Yes, that's important. Is that part of my purpose? Of course. Is it part of most of our purposes? I would garner to say yes. But there is more as well. And it's not about better or worse. But for most men, there is a, also more to that deepest spiritual calling. That's the church. You know, it was really tough, man. I do these quests. They're like 10 days long. This one was in California. I live in Idaho. I had two days of travel. It was 12 days. I hate leaving my family for 12 days. My, my sons don't like it. Uh, my wife doesn't like it. It puts added pressure on them. But you know what? I go out there and I am completely filled up. I see men, work with men and women. They have deep transformations. They connect to their own calling. We had one guy who, <laughs> oh my God, quick story within the story here. He was a therapist who was for years and years worked within a church. The church was his whole community. Beautiful. And, and I've got nothing against, you know, modern religion. I mean, it's probably a whole other conversation. But in his case, um, his church like 10 years ago blew up. The lead pastor um, 
was having major problems and hiding it in the shadows. The whole thing, the church blew up. With it, his faith blew up. This guy showed up into Quest like seriously depressed, like a black cloud hanging over him. And to the extent where I was even having second thoughts about accepting him initially. But we did, and it was, I was fine with that. And his work on the Quest, everyone's work during Quest is a little different, you know. But we often talk about what's dying in us. And what's being born. And for him, what was dying and had been dying for a long time, you know, because he was on and off anti-depression meds and all of this. What was dying in him was God, or better said, his relationship with God in the old way. But he had never fully let it go, my judgment. Um, What he did on Quest was he, he, this was his call, not, not my suggestion, but his choice. He buried God. He said, you know what? This has needed to happen for 10 years, and I have never done it, and it's going to happen. And so he did, and it was tears, and it was scary and sad and everything. And then it turned for him, and he started seeing the sacred in life once again. Birdsong, the the green grass, the blue of the sky, the colors were brighter. He came out of that quest. He looked like he was 15 years younger. I am not exaggerating. And he was smiling. The cloud was gone. He's like the life of the party. Turns out the guy's super funny. He, <laughs> he's like cracking jokes. And and I almost hesitate sharing it because th- does everyone experience that kind of transformation? No. But uh, yes, on the deepest level, right? In this his case, it just took outward shape very quickly early on. And he had reestablished his relationship with his creator, you know, with his place in life, with himself, and it was so touching. I mean, it, we were just in tears, you know, seeing this fellow. And everybody, all the other nine had their own similar, you know, powerful but different journeys. So back to the poem, and then I'll wrap, uh, kind of uh, taking some different side turns here. So if we don't look at the second part, right? The other man who stays in the house gets lost in the dishes and glasses, and then his kids have to go far out into the world to find that same church that he never did you know that was kind of my story right like my dad and mom didn't go after deep spiritual soulful purpose i had to leave the midwest and go west young man and i had to cut ties with my mom because she was being overbearing and oh my god the whole thing you know and then driver drove her crazy and she thought I'd, i was gonna die out there <laughs> coming back with long hair and you know the prodigal son the whole thing and uh, but i had found my spiritual path in life i had found my church I had found my calling, and but with it, what was the cost? You know, it was a big wedge between me and my folks. You know that I've worked and thankfully um, bridged. But I would offer that as as men, as fathers, we there is that deeper calling that calls each of us, and it is our responsibility to go after that. And that yes, it's hard, you know, to leave. It was hard for me to leave those twelve days. But then I come back, Kurt, and I'm filled up. I can see the problems in the family a little clearer. I, I've got a little more capacity to deal with conflict. I can give my wife that break she really needs. I can really show up for my sons. I can feel into what's going on, and I can help them. And I am. I mean, that's what's going on. Like, I'm a week back, you know, so it's really fresh for me. And is it perfect? No. But is it better than me saying no to that church, to that calling? Absolutely. 
You know, absolutely. And so I, that's what I think what I would want to offer the guys listening. Yeah, I know men's work. Yes, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. But it is, there's more to it than that, you know, to go after that calling. Maybe it's with me. Maybe it's with somebody else. You know, that's fine. My hope is just that guys, that as we continue to evolve uh, in this modern experience, we realize, you know, there's there's more to living a full life than just the emotional side of things. That cultivating a spiritual connection is just as and that sense of purpose is just as important and unique from that emotional connection. Man, thank you so much for sharing that from the poem to the the lesson of the depth of that. Like that feels right to me that there should be and there ought be almost and I I very rarely say there ought be or there should be a depth to experience because it is possible to experience that therefore why wouldn't you? And maybe I, I get it because if you haven't felt that way before, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. Right. But right. man, oh, it is so overwhelmingly joyous, purposeful, whatever you want to call it. And before we wrap up here, I just, I want to make sure we touch on the father son wilderness program. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. even if that's just you giving us like a, a quick spiel, I would love you to do that because this is such important work. So could you talk to us about that for two or three minutes? Yeah. Yeah. I'll try and keep it quick here. <laughs> Uh, so I long uh, have had an aptitude with my own sons to take them on wilderness adventures, right? When they were little to mi- middle childhood and now into the teen years. Um, and I just found, always found, Kurt, that that was when our connection was oftentimes at its best. Always no, but oftentimes yeah. And um, it was actually working with another podcaster first. I don't know if you're familiar with Ben Greenfield. He's a big uh, fitness. Uh, I, I was literally going to ask if you knew him. Oh, okay. He's close to you and he also unschools, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been mentoring Ben for years and his sons, you know, I'm, I'm, he sends his sons to our wilderness school. And uh, I just took them through their rite of passage last spring. And anyhow, it was Ben, maybe, I don't know. It's probably a 10 years ago, it was probably 2011 or 2012 that first asked me, hey, you've got these great nature connection programs for adults and you've got them for kids. But at the time, we didn't have any for families. And he's like, what would you think about doing a father-son one? He's like, I bet I could wrestle up some buddies and, and we could do this together. I was like, sure, yeah, let, let's give it a shot. So we did. And I don't know, we had maybe just a half dozen dads and their sons, ages, you know, like eight to 13, and I put together this uh, this program, and it was designed with the intention of connect the fathers and sons to nature, connect them to themselves, like individually, and connect them to one another with a little sprinkle of, of the deeper soul connection, you know, in there. And, oh my gosh, so it's gotten really popular, and now I, I run these once or twice a year, and they always fill up, and... Um, at the heart of it, it's it's this journey. So I, I kind of use the wilderness survival arc. So we do three days of wilderness survival, primitive survival training. So it's like building shelters with branches and leaves that can actually keep you warm and dry from a technical perspective. Rubbing sticks together to actually make fire. Yes, you can do that. It does work. Um, learning plants you can eat. Uh, simple hunting techniques. We don't do full-on hunting in the program um, to keep it accessible. But... Uh, so there's all of this, like three days of that training leading up to one big overnight where we all leave camp behind, take minimal gear, and then each family's got to build a shelter, make fire, and then find food out there and manage all the chaos of, you know, and, and the dynamics of fathers and sons along the way. Um, but we do it together as a big tribe. And then on a daily basis, you know, we're doing a men's circle 
every night after dinner, right when the kids get the wildest, you know, and they're like ramping up. I send the kids off, the boys off with the 20 year old assistants. And then I take the dads and we all chill, you know, for like an hour or two. And and we have our men's circle and talk about being a dad and go deep, you know, and share emotions and the whole thing. And uh, so that builds up. And by man, by the time we get through that final overnight at the end, I mean, the bond is just incredible. Because as we know, what, what connects us as humans? Vulnerability. You know, emotional vulnerability equals emotional connection. Physical vulnerability, putting yourself out there and testing yourself and your, fa- and your son, your family against the, the elements. Whew, that's vulnerable. Yeah, big time. So guess what? The bonds that form in the midst of that. You know, it's like lifetime friendships and brotherhoods are formed. Guys still stay in touch with each other years later. Um, and at the very, very end of it all, I have I have dads um, put together a really special gift, you know, and, and we end it on the last day with an acknowledgement circle where one family at a time takes a turn kind of standing in the center of the circle. And first, and I prepare everybody for this, you know, the first the son honors the father and just speaks his love to his dad. You know, and I always have the dad take a knee, you know, to see eye to eye with his son. And uh, and oftentimes, you know, with, with the, the boys, there's not a ton of words. Sometimes there are. Some boys are eloquent. But mostly, you know, God, they're like eight, nine, ten years old, right? Like 11. Like it, but the palpable feeling of, lo- of heartfelt love, Kurt, is so strong. And, you know. I mean, we're all usually crying by this point, right? And then the dad honors the son, and and there's a gift. You know, oftentimes it's whatever the knife of the grandfather who passed it on to the dad and is now passing it on to the son, or different, you know, or or maybe it's a store bought thing. It's something with some meaning, you know, something that's lasting, and just to be acknowledged and for the love and the relationship to be acknowledged in that way in a circle of of brothers. I mean. It's like, oh, man, I just tear, I, I want to tear up. I'm feeling I'm almost tearing up thinking about it because it's so it's so rich, you know, and like there's so much love that gets expressed, you know, and it's like, yeah, you know, as men do, we get kind of crazy and action oriented. <laughs> yeah, OK. And that's part of our deal. And that's who we are. And we got it. That's part of the journey. But at the end, you know, we've all got a heart of gold and that just gets expressed so beautifully. I'll say this too: the favorite part that the boys consistently say, yeah, they love the adventure. You know, okay, that's awesome, you know, and, I, and, and we love making it awesome. But one of the best parts I, I'm always so proud of is the other thing we do is I, I do a little practice called the sit spot where usually this is done alone at most of our Nature Connection programs. But in this case, I have fathers and sons sit together. And the only task is to sit quietly in nature. It might be 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Be present in your senses, quiet the mind, and feel one another's presence as you feel the presence of the natural world. And that simple practice, I cannot tell you. Everybody loves it, but especially the boys, and particularly on the younger side, when they're connected in that way, like we were talking about earlier, man, they just can't get enough of it. And it's like, you know, it's like I'm under the garage with my dad looking at the rain all over again, you know. But it's that, because what's going on? It's the being state. Dad's connecting, son is connecting. That's the task. That's, that's the thing he has to do, and, and we're good at doing fulfilling tasks, right? Um, and that's like the most fulfilling thing that that the boys consistently ask for. Again, can we do another sit spot today? They'll say, you know, I oh, I really want to do that again, you know. So yeah, it's it's a super fun program, and and if guys are interested, um, um, yeah, I can give more information in a minute on how to connect with that. Wow. 
Tim, thank you for doing that. That's incredible and much needed. And it's, it's actually really funny. I literally didn't put two and two together until you started talking about that. I was going to sign up for this in 2020, (laughs) right before all the travel things Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm in Canada, so it's even trickier. Right. Um, right. But man, I just, I Googled it while you're talking about it. It's like, oh, I recognize this. It was like (laughs) this close. So uh, we'll be there as soon as we can, man. Oh, that's awesome, man. Um, Yeah. Okay. I'm, you know, very, very grateful and, you know, almost, I, I really liked what I read. And I was not sure what to expect otherwise, but the breadth of experience and the depth of experience that you shared, I am just yeah beyond grateful and so so thankful that you were to, able to share that with us, Tim. Um, where can people find out more to partake in your offerings or the Father Son Wilderness program you just told about? Um, website, social media, whatever uh, is is best. Sure. Well, and and you're welcome. It's, it's it's really an honor for me. I do this work because I love it, and I love this world, and I love. I love the journey of fatherhood, right? And and the journey of connecting with purpose. So it, it's really an honor. Um, yeah. So if guys are interested in the Father-Son Wilderness Program, that's through my wilderness school. That's called Twin Eagles Wilderness School that my wife and I founded in 2005. On the web, it's easy. It's just www.twineagles, with an S at the end, .org. So www.twineagles.org. We've also got tons of summer camps and adult programs and youth programs, all focused on nature connection. Um, For folks interested in the deeper, soulful journey of connecting with purpose, um, my other organization, Purpose Mountain, is the place to go. And I offer one-on-one mentoring, like distance mentoring on the phone, and then I also offer these in-person 10-day-long vision quests. We typically, these days, we're doing two a year uh, mostly because so I don't leave my family too much to go to that church. <laughs> uh, so I, I, we do September in Idaho, where, nearby where I live. And then we do um, March in Southern California outside of Santa Barbara, where my co-facilitator Mark Tollefson uh, lives down there. And that's the one we just finished up. So if you're interested in that kind of work, connecting with purpose from a nature-based perspective, it's purposemountain.com, www purpose mountain no spaces or dashes or anything.com beautiful okay we'll put all of that in the show notes at dad.work slash podcast you can check that out and check tim out highly recommend working with him however you can and i'm going to continue to be in touch myself to be honest um, because i really enjoyed your energy and appreciate that so tim thank you very much for being on the podcast and i look forward to chatting soon you're welcome kurt thank you so much That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world. To find out more about everything that we talked about in the episode today, including show notes, resources, and links to subscribe, leave a review, work with us, go to dad.work slash pod. That's D-A-D dot W-O-R-K slash P-O-D. Type that into your browser, just like a normal URL, dad.work slash pod. You'll find everything there you need to become a better man, a better partner, and a better father. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.